my mind art pop you make my heart stop hi i'm alex and i'm patrick and you're listening to poptimism a podcast that celebrates the bops and flops of pop music this is our first episode and we're discussing lady gaga's 2013 art pop so i kind of have a question to kick off with when we decided to start a podcast i kind of floated the question where do we start and pretty much the immediate response from both of us was art pop and I was wondering why do you think that is? I think art pop is a fantastic album I also think it's a really underappreciated album because you know there's so many talk of like so much so many people saying art flop and things like that and Mm. I think in terms of celebrating the bops and the flops of pop music I think art pop is just the perfect example of how, you know, commercial reception and critical reception do not define an album. And I think it's such an important artifact of like queer representation. Um, Even like things have changed so much in the years since. I think it's just a really interesting document of that as well. Beautifully said. I completely agree. Why did you, why were you drawn to it? For me, I think, I don't know if you had the experience in that art pop you immediately gravitated towards it. For me, I kind of wasn't really following the scene at the time. And I was a passive observer of like Lady Gaga's first failure. I was like really shocked that Art Pop was actually a flop because I only listened to it maybe two years ago. And I was like, this is a great album. I can't believe it failed. What happened? What went wrong? And I did some research and I was surprised. So I guess we'll start from the beginning and give a little background on Gaga. So she kind of, I feel like, she like kind of burst onto the scene and like immediately had like a stranglehold over pop. I would say probably from Poker Face, which was like maybe her second single. Yes, definitely. And she was kind of like bending the pop uh, hemisphere to her will really. Like, she came in and she was, from the jump, before she was even, like, a name, she was skewering fame culture, like, wearing this crazy fashion, giving, like, these really odd interviews. And I feel like she, like, this was, like, a huge, she had, like, a lot of shock factor around her. And everyone was, like, paying attention. Definitely. I think she got the freak flag flying again in pop. Because yeah. there was, there, you know, there was Madonna back in the 80s who was really controversial and shocking. And mm. that sort of faded in the early 2000s a little bit. Um, and I think Gaga brought back this real theatricality and this sense of creating a big oversized persona um, and a real sense of artifice that sort of feels natural to pop music. And I think genre-wise, she also brought it back to, like, really hard European sort of dance music um, when it was looking like we were about to move into, like, a very hip-hop and R&B-influenced world. And I think we've seen Mm. that shift recently. But Gaga really made pop, like, viable again for about five, six years, which is a huge influence. Yeah, for sure. And I also think she kind of made the music video viable again yes she really made story and spectacle she brought it back and she really blended like all these elements like fashion cinema culture into her music and really elevated herself above like 
everyone else in the pop world. And you could really see people like following in her steps, like Katy Perry, Rihanna, Kesha. They were all like following her weirdness and leaning into like bigger personas, uh, both yes. musically and visually after she had done it. That's so, so I do true. really think she changed. Yeah, she totally changed the game. And even that influence, like, it extends to, like, Nicki Minaj, um, who, like, is more of, like, a hip-hop artist. You know, her videos were so oversized and she had that candy aesthetic that's so obviously influenced by Gaga. And Gaga really capitalised on a moment where social media was an emerging form. Um, Like, you know, we could watch music videos whenever we wanted for the first time. It wasn't just on MTV. And she charged headfirst and gave us things like Telephone and, you know, Bad Romance, these amazing videos. Yeah. God, they were she really is influential. <laughs> yes. Praise. <laughs> and I think she was also um, quite radically queer in a time when that was much more of a statement. I think, mm. you know, we see like Taylor Swift, you know, releasing You Need to Calm Down in 2019, which although there's, you know, visibly, it's very visible with queer artists in it, it's not really that risky. But Gaga was incorporating a lot of queer aesthetic and raising up a lot of queer creators at a time when it was quite a bold statement to make. And I think that is why art pop will always be so beloved by the LGBTI community. I agree. Now, let's talk about art pop, shall we? The elephant in the room. Let's get into it. So... I don't really know how to explain how it was promoted, but Gaga was kind of touting it as she promised an album that was kind of like blending art with pop music. This album was going to transcend just pop music and become art, which is like a huge So much promise. ambition. Yeah, in the, in so the concept. Ambition. Everyone knew that was going to be a hard thing to pull off. Yes. Did succeed? It's hard to say, for sure. I think it's hard to say because... The traditional way to measure a pop artist's success is how well it's received commercially. But the mm. way to sort of judge an artist's success is how is its legacy and its influence. And I think there's such differing responses for art pop that it's really hard to make a definitive statement on its success. Definitely. She was like the biggest, probably the biggest pop star in the world at the time of art pop, I would say. And she just kept having like hit after hit, like no misses. And then this came and it was like really the first misstep in the public's eyes. From, yes. From Gaga. Uh, I think she was a bit almost not set up to fail, but when she's an artist that we expect to push the boundaries every single time, there's just such immense yeah. pressure. And I think she did it with the fame. She did it with uh, bad romance. She did it with born this way. Eventually you can't always be, you know, light years ahead of the curve. So mm. eventually you sort of have to catch up to it. I think that was a bit inevitable with Art Pop. I do agree. I think timing had a lot to do with it. Yes. And I think Gaga really lent into the extremes of what was working with her before, what had been working with her, and kind of this combination of ill timing and too much was really what hurt her in the public yeah. with regards to like critical reception, both criti- critically and commercially. Definitely. Definitely. And like, I think there was a lot going on. Oh yeah. There was like an app 
Yeah, there was. Yeah, no, I I remember the I remember the app. I remember the there were lots of like small sort of performances that she designed to go viral. She did a series of performances mm. with Vivo. Remember Vivo? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then like at Apple, Apple had some kind of festival. Yes. At the time. iTunes yes. festival. This yes. was before Apple Music. Yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. So a lot of different kind of promos and like there was like some Doritos event. There was a lot going on. I think this was a huge promotion cycle. She um, had a residency at the Roseland Ballroom as well in New York beforehand. And she was the final artist after it, before it closed, which was promoting the album as well, doing like early releases of the songs. There was like months long promotion for the album. And I think like it was probably a little exhausting, both for her and just for the public beforehand. But this was before the album was released, right? Yes. Yeah. That you don't see promo cycles like this anymore. I think streaming no, and just our like a general attention span has fallen so much that there's no value to broadcasting an album six months before it's released. Now it's really the Beyonce tell no one and just drop it actually works best. And this that's the weird thing about it. Beyonce did that maybe a month later after Art Pop. And that album was so well received um, yeah. and sold so well that it really was a shifting landscape. It really was. I think also the, um, because like you said earlier, the Gaga had inspired so many followers, um, you know, the mm. Katy Perry's and they were all doing fantastically in 2013. I think Katy Perry released um, Prism with Raw and, you know, all of those songs on it. So Gaga really had to go weirder to continue to stand out from her followers. And I think personally, I think the strongest moments on this album are the ones that go weird. But of course, that just is inherently non-commercial. And so that, you know, constantly trying to push the boundaries is almost what sort of ruined her commercially for this album, but also made it endure. And it still feels insanely fresh when you listen to it today. It does. It definitely does. I'm trying to remember what the first single was. Was it Applause? Uh, it was applause. applause. It was Applause, yeah, which is like when you mentioned Raw. I think they came out, they both ended up leaking. They came out literally within days of each other. And obviously they're going to get comparisons, Katie and Gaga, because they were like both huge, both within a similar like laneway in pop. And Raw debuted at number one and Applause was like number four because it had two less tracking days in the week or something. And then Gaga started tweeting now infamous, like, string of tweets about do what you want. Oh. That track. Yeah, so she kind of, like, I don't think anyone knew what the song was at the time, so just tweeting things like, say what you want about me, and talking about kind of, like, juxtaposing the fact that she wasn't on top anymore. Uh, with like media scrutiny and people thought she was like having this like meltdown about it but it was kind of like she was kind of like leaning into the fact that she was failing and um kind of that the the album would address it in my opinion so I thought that was really interesting yeah and I think on an album so so meta in its commentary about fame and like the world of pop the world of art 
and just sort of like that plastic sheen over it all. I mean, the cover was designed by Jeff Koons, the king of high and low art being smashed together. I think it's so interesting because a rant like that from any other artist, I would go, oh, they're losing their marbles. They're a bit embarrassed that they're not on top. But with Gaga, it adds this layer that you go, is it a performance? And I think that's what all of Gaga's best work does is that you can take it seriously or not seriously at the same time. And it's just Mm. got this campy, self-reflective eye that I think that's why this album endures. And I think, yeah, I hadn't even heard about those tweets, but that's so interesting. Yeah, I definitely think it was, she was leaning into like the tongue in cheek of it all, but yeah. And then Do What You Want was the second single, wasn't it? I, uh, yeah, it was, because that got traction on radio. It wasn't planned to be initially the second single. And then, like, people were feeling it, and they shot, like, a music video, now infamously unreleased music video. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about Do What You Want, because I really want to talk about that yes. when we go through track by track. Yeah, so interesting. There's a lot to say about it. Definitely. And, like, it doesn't really exist anymore. I have an album copy. So Me too. Yes, yeah, so it's still, you know, if I was going to listen to it, which I don't do, um, but if I was going to, the option does still exist there, which just feel like I'm sort of in on a bit of a secret because it's mm. been scoured from the internet. It has. Yeah. It was actually the only track I bought on iTunes from that album, which is saying something. Um, so that... <laughs> That's the only one, I don't know if that says anything about me, but that was the only one I'd paid for. So it, I still have it on my phone and I can listen to it, which I still do. I, I listen to the album as it was originally made yeah. because I think it, there's more of a message behind the collaboration between yeah. them. And is that the one where the single cover is just her ass in a bikini? <laughs> it was. Oh, I but love I it. it. from the album, but it, it was, yes. So iconic. And now for all of the most twisted reasons, but yeah. And was there another single? G-U-I. G-U-I. Oh, oh, the video. So it was like a little art pop film and it was kind of like a, kind of like a posthumous single, I would say, because Gaga, I don't think really thought it was going anywhere, but she made the, the film as like a little thank you for her fans. And she self-funded that, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so she fully conceptualised the entire video. The story was definitely addressed how R-pop did commercially. I think that video, that film, is just outstanding. Even just down to the cameos of The Real Housewives Mm, playing... It um, really embodies the message of the album, doesn't it? It's so... I think it's... You know, I think you could write a thesis on that film, just like you could write a thesis on the album. And I also remember, because I was obviously huge into this album as it came out, and I remember being a little just disappointed that there weren't as many videos because, Mm. like you said earlier, Gaga is such a multimedia multimedia artist, and I was really desperate for one. And I remember the day that the, um, the film dropped, I remember opening it up and going, oh my God, 14 minutes. Yes. Like this is exactly what I wanted. And I just thought it was so, I remember the, the, obviously the visuals were fantastic, but it had me thinking more than most Gaga videos do, which is saying something. And I was just so engrossed by it. 
you know, down to the the ancient Greek aesthetic blended with sort of this like trashy modern stuff, you know, and she's an angel fallen from the sky. There's such, such attention to detail that I don't think you get from those Gaga imitators. And I think that's why her work does endure. Definitely. Was she an angel or was she like a phoenix? I always had her as a fallen angel, but Ooh, I guess she does look a bit like a phoenix. I, in my head, she was more of a, like a gothic Old Testament angel rather than one of the glamorous New Testament yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, I think it's up to like your own view of it, really. Definitely. It's art. I always saw her as like a phoenix that had been like shot down and now she was like rising from the ashes. Sure. Of like, you know, there's like all that burnt kind of grass around her or something. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't revisited. I should have revisited it. Definitely worth, anyway. worth the rewatch. Yeah. Do you have any more like notes on um, the experience of art pop before we like do a deep dive into the tracks? Well, I went to the show. Um, I went to Art Rave, the Art Bubble. And I remember I was in year nine at school and my my cousin, um, she would have just graduated from high school. She, we bought tickets and they, um, Gaga didn't come to Adelaide. So we drove over to Melbourne one day. I missed, I got a day off school for it. Um, Love it. Stayed in a motel, dressed up, um, went to the show. And it was just like one of the best nights ever. Um, I think it was one of the first times I was like around a lot of queer people. And pretty, it was just such a beautiful, safe space. And the performance was incredible. There was um, the, the sort of runway extended over the crowd and it was clear plastic. So you could stand underneath her and like look up her Ooh. dress as she performed. It was just, <laughs> it was just everything you wanted and more. And I think, yeah, I just have such a personal connection to this album because of that. Mm. I, I think there's those things that come into your life when you're early teens and you're really starting to become your own person. And so this is such a defining document for me. What about you? Do you have any personal connections? Personally, for me, I just feel like definitely there's so much queer energy in the album. So she, I feel like she leaned into like the camp way more, which would be like kind of isolating for other people. Like maybe like more easy listeners wouldn't really gravitate to it. As part of the queer community, you can draw you can draw a lot of things from art pop that you feel like are speaking to you. Yeah, it's very like easy to project it onto it. Yeah, um, and I think also, yeah, it's it's nice hearing. I don't know. Uh, I think the album was wasn't very radio friendly, so I think it was a really nice way of knowing if someone liked Lady Gaga and heard them on the radio, or if someone was a like a Lady Gaga fan. And so mm. it was almost like it became a bit of a secret language, you know? You'd say, oh, I love Lady Gaga. And someone would say, oh, yeah, I love art pop. And you know that, you know, they're queer, you know? Like, it's, it was, yeah. you know, the new friend of Dorothy. Like, and I think, yeah, that's just why I'm so attached to it. Would you say it's your favourite album by her? Yes. Yes. Me too. So it, I think there's definitely something in that. So... Art Pop's first week of sales in the US, we're talking about right now, yeah. were less than a quarter 
of Born This Way. It's, which it's a bit iffy. So a lot of people claim this is why it flopped. It still debuted at number one. And also I think people, a lot of people forget that two years earlier, Amazon did this thing where they put it on sale for the entire album was 99 cents online. Yeah. So that really buffered the numbers. Yeah. And also Gaga's team and label claimed that they weren't involved in that. But that's a huge drop in numbers. And of course, like this was heading towards like streaming. People weren't really buying albums as much, but it is a big drop. And that's a lot of people's claim to it being an art flop. Yeah. So why do you think the album underperformed? If well, it did? I mean, there's What's definitely, the there was a lot of time between the two. And in that time, I think piracy just jumped, you know, so things were just selling less. Like you compare Art Pop to the highest selling releases of the year. I think Kanye sold 315,000 records in his Kanye's opening huge. week or something. And he was huge, you know, his album yeah. dropped off as well. So there's definitely like there were the whole industry was trending down. But I can't remember who, where I read this, but I've heard this theory that first week sales aren't based off the current album they're based off the reception of the previous album so because if you think about it that's what set everyone up for this album no one knows what the product is in the first week i think that the reason why born this way had such insane opening week is because fame monster was so successful and everyone wanted it on mm. a fame monster and then born this way it still had great sales but its sales sort of dropped off quite dramatically after that first week and I think because Born This Way, while it was still well-received, it wasn't as well-received as Fame Monster. I think that that flow-on shows in art pop because you're not going to turn out for the next Gaga album if you didn't love the previous. So I think... I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think the opening week sales actually... I think a lot of that is pinned on art pop when I think some of that is a result of born this way where gaga was again like but pushing against radio trends and doing a lot of weird stuff and didn't quite have that insane like stranglehold that she had at the start of the born this way era what do you say about like there was a first single though that people had before the album i don't know i'm just throwing things out there no that's true i think i am always but that's the only real there was only that one single before the album i think right yeah um, yeah. and like small promotional singles, but none of those got like wide releases, which is surprising because applause in my head, I remember hearing it everywhere. And I thought it was like, mm. you know, a success, but I guess you never know what people are going to think. What about you? Yeah. Do you have any like why theories, why it was a bit of an art flop? I do have one. So we already touched on like a bit of it. So like there's a lot of comparisons to Katie at the time because they released this first single at the same time. And then like just Beyonce drops a month after that. It's just like there was a lot of huge pop music going on at the time. Yeah. Like stacked. And I bangers think as well. big, Yes. Okay. I have to touch on bangers. For me, it was definitely a timing issue. Okay. So I was more of an outside casual observer, right? From the outset. And with Art Pop, it was like Gaga herself was even touting it as like, oh, it's going to be the marriage of pop and art. It's going to be like 
the biggest thing in music and then it was pa- being paired with an app and it was just like it sounded like this huge thing it was going to change the music industry entirely pretty much and then like it seemed like based on the applause if you just watch the applause video it seems like she's leaning even further into like this weird and shocking persona which she's been known for since she hit the scene and then exactly what you said Miley Cyrus who is like America's sweetheart herself maybe a couple months earlier drops like we can't stop and she's doing this exact same thing because all the pop girls followed in Gaga's footsteps she is going like ratchet (laughs) (laughs) and turning all these shocking videos and stuff and I feel like everyone's like kind of like getting this fatigue public sentiment is a bit like oh we've seen this before now we've seen it from like every man and his dog Miley Cyrus has done it so people are a bit like same they felt like it was a bit of like retread from her even though the album itself I feel like is not representative of that at all it's actually quite personal definitely I feel like maybe that was a bit of a misstep I think timing has yeah, a lot to do with it. And I think, like, yeah, the music's very different to those other albums. Um, but I yeah. think that's also because I think there's those first week sales of, you know, how did it open and then how did it continue to sell? And I think once people started listening to the music, I think in a lot of ways it just pushed too hard at just the absolute edges of where pop's meant to go. It blended so many like different genres. Um, It really like pushed the envelope in terms of its production, in terms of its themes, like you said, and it did alienate some of its more casual fans. And I think with an artist like Gaga, especially because this album was so ambitious in its buildup and in the music itself, I think people rush to call it a flop they rush to say that this toy is old, that no one wants to play with it anymore. And that hurts all the more on a really ambitious album. And so I think all of those just came together. I agree. That's so true. And, and I think it's like, you, oh, sorry, you go. No, you say. I was just going to say, I think it's, it was too queer an album for the world it was released into. I think it exactly. was. Exactly. It is not so a mainstream queer. album. No, not at all. That's why. The mainstream pop albums do the best. And this was not a mainstream pop album. No. There was no way it was going to be, unless it was really smartly marketed. And do you know what? Um, Gaga's always like one step ahead, right? She's always been, since she got on the scene, she's been one step ahead. Definitely. And have you seen this video called Lady Gaga is Over? Yes. <laughs> you know it. Okay. Of she course. Yes. The same day she dropped applause. So applause was really well received. No one was saying anything about her career at the time. And it's this video of her staring into camera and people are booing her. And then there's like these little subtitles on the bottom and it says like Lady Gaga is no longer relevant. She's a flop before people even said started saying art flop. And it says like, do not buy art pop. And I was like, wow, that's huge that she predicted her own um, career once again. Literally. Like, like her mind. <laughs> oh, it's, she's on a different level. It's Gaga's world. We're all just living in it. Like, and. <laughs> Chromatica. Oh. 
<laughs> we'll get there next week. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but even, and like, just look, going through the songs, it made me realize what, like, it's such a deep cut album. Yeah. I just felt like all of my favorite songs, like, I love the singles, but all of my favorite songs are the ones that stood out to me just after listening start to finish and going, holy shit, that's amazing. And it's definitely not the kind of album that you would hear a song on the radio and go, oh, yeah, I'll buy that whole thing. It rewards someone who listens to it start to finish and pays attention, which I think I'm not like critiquing pop music and saying that it doesn't require that because I think all music deserves that attention. But I Mm. think some music is more accessible from one or two tracks and I don't think art pop like prioritise that accessibility. So, so agree. It's such a story, the whole album. Yes. All right. Should we talk about the Holy Trinity? Yep. Yep. Let's do it. All right. So the Holy Trinity is the concept is like our theory. Our theory is that there's three tracks in every album that we consider the Holy Trinity. And so it's kind of like, they're like the foundation of the album. Right. And probably if you were telling your friend, listen to this album, you wouldn't say, I would say like, listen to these tracks. And if you don't like them, then you're not going to like the album. So usually I would choose like my three favorite tracks. Today, that's going to be like really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because our pop is so good. And I so kind of good. see our pop is like a 15 course degustation. If yeah. I had to describe it to anyone, because every track is like so, so wild. And like 15 courses is a lot. So I would probably start with like the more easily digestible ones as an entry point. If I was recommending art pop to someone. Definitely. So I would probably, for me, my Holy Trinity would be like number one, Gypsy. Cause I feel like anyone on earth would understand that song. Oh, for (laughs) sure. And love it. Yeah. Well, I hope. So I'd say Gypsy, probably number two, Manicure. Yeah. And then number three, Fashion. Fashion. Okay. So why Manicure and Fashion? Okay, Manicure, I feel like is, like you said, an excellently, excellently crafted pop song. The chorus is just banging. You can sing along. It's fun. And then Fashion, pretty similar, pretty similar reasons, but it's a bit more weird. And with like the French and you don't really know where it's going, but there's a lot, a lot of fun in it, which I feel like describes art pop really well. There's like that really fun intro and the cool key guitar kita outro and i feel like fashion's really cool and you can just bop along to it definitely and get into it because i feel like i wouldn't like i love swine but i wouldn't tell someone hey go and listen to swine yeah as an entry point into the art pop because i feel like they'd be like i can't handle this a hundred percent without the context all right how about you what's your holy trinity Well, I think I had the same issue as you because I think it's hard to, like, take my brain to a space before I listen to art pop. So, so many songs grow on you. So many songs become better with context. And I swear to God, every day I wake up with a different favourite song. So I couldn't just yet do my three favourites. But I think I have narrowed it down to three. I think I've somehow managed to. I think number one, I agree with you. I think I would start with Gypsy because 
I think it's the most um, the most typical Gaga song on the album. So I think it wouldn't scare anybody off. But I think it's just beautiful. Like, and it's a really euphoric, energetic song. I think it's like a sugar rush with a bit of heart underneath. That's quite rare. And so what that's probably what. Yeah, I'd introduce it with mm. with that. Then I would do um, GUI because I I think it's got a great video and I think that is half of the fun of introducing a Gaga song. You have to do one with a great video. True. And I think that song is just, it goes so hard for the entirety. Its lyrics are insanely beautiful and really complex. And I think that that, vulnerability mixed with like real strength in the music is just what makes Gaga tick. I think that's a song that definitely I wouldn't be able to sum up art pop without that. And then the last song. I wouldn't fight you on that. That's a good choice. Thank you. And the last song I was tossing up, it was like, was it swine? But I don't think it is. I think it's too much. This one though, I said sex dreams because even Mm. though it's not, I think I, I, I worry that someone would miss Sex Dreams because it's, it's a bit of a deep cut. But I think it's like one of the most adventurous songs on the album. One of the most, um, one of the songs that was so far ahead of its time. I think now on the, the re-listen, a lot of people would enjoy that more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the weirdest song that isn't like a little bit too aggressive for a first time listener. So, and I think if you love Sex Dreams, you're going to love the entire album. Such a good choice. Thank sex you. Dreams was like almost, it was my number four. I was like, fashion or Sex Dreams? But yes. I'm oh. so glad you chose that. Oh, they, oh, good list. Awesome. Yeah, good list. All right. So I guess to wrap up, let's discuss art pop in retrospect and its place in pop history. So for me, I feel like the marketing was all wrong. We kind of discussed that because Art Pop was more the bearing of her soul for Gaga. I feel like we, it was kind of more, more personal than she'd ever gotten, even though she was like trying on a lot of different characters throughout. It feels really truthful the whole way through. And I feel like I got more insight into her than from any other album preceding it. Yeah. But without the context surrounding some of the tracks, I don't think they lend themselves to a casual listener, which is probably why it suffered. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just love it. It's like this high octane energy hit. And I feel like it can dance to like the entire album front to back. Without a doubt. And each track is like, has its own unique fingerprint. It's like really well done. So true. I think it's, it's such a deep cut album. I know I said that before, but it is an album that rewards a start to finish listen. And sure. I think it's like, it, it's still so ahead of its time. The, the production on it, like I think these days we've sort of got like a new pop vanguard coming up with people like Charlie XCX and, you know, producers like Sophie and all of these like really like exciting and futuristic pop producers that have these like really great textures. And I think their music is still not as fresh as art pop in a strange way. And I think it borrows so much from art pop. Um, It does. And that's like, that legacy is something that 
you know, all of the acts that Gaga's compared to a lot, and no disrespect to them, they're all fantastic pop stars, but none of them have the insane legacy that Gaga has, the insane influence, you know? Like everywhere in the pop landscape you see art pop, and if you don't, you see Born This Way or you see Joanne. They're just, they're everywhere. And for such a coherent statement to be labelled labeled a flop, like if this is Gaga's flop, how good is the rest, you know? Like it's... I know. It, they were really grasping at straws for that. Yeah, I feel like art pop was really like critically panned as kind of run-of-the-mill pop and it because be I just feel like that's insane. It's like it's insane. not at all like any other pop album released around the time. No. And I feel like it really pushed mainstream pop to its limits. In terms of like playing with structure and sound, even sound, there was so many fresh elements. And even lyrically. I wouldn't find on, yeah. But I also get it because on the other hand, it was promised to be like this transcendental experience. And it's like this this app that like her manager was doing that obviously got dropped because they parted ways. Like it, so it still did end up being a pop album, but I think it's a really great, weird, unique pop album and yeah, I, I think probably stick my neck out and say it's an essential listen in like the 2010s like top of the decade for me without a doubt i don't think you can look at music in 2010 and then look at music in 2020 and not mention art pop on how we got from from there to there and yeah i do think you're right it was an issue of expectation i think she set expectations so high and, you know, I don't think that's a fault. I think ambition is something that is actually missing from the pop landscape right now. I think, mm. you know, like, no, like obviously no offence to the pop stars that have released albums this year, but I do miss the days of a 15-minute video and, you know, 40 costume changes at a show <laughs> and songs about, you know, everything in the world put together. I... I love that ambition. And yeah, this is definitely an essential listen. Next week, we're discussing a really interesting album that I feel like still has a huge impact sonically today. Do you want to reveal what we're, our next episode's going to be? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to. So next week, we're going to be talking about Britney's 2007 masterpiece, Blackout, which, yeah, it feels feels very relevant in a time where, you know, hashtag free Britney, we're just going to say that. Um, and it, with way of discussing albums that weren't received, you know, appropriately at the time or were considered flops, I think Blackout is such an insanely perfect example of that. And yeah. when it comes, I think pop music will never be able to distance pop from the cultural landscape that it arrived in. And I think Blackout's, the, the, the world that it arrived in and the Britney that delivered it are just so interesting. Huge. I can't believe at that time in her life, she made like a magnum opus and it is like so good. So good. I'm excited. Well, that's Art Pop. Thanks for listening. We hope that we've, you know, enlightened you a little bit on this flop that's really actually a bop. I'm Patrick. And I'm Alex, and we'll see you next episode.